In today's podcast, Resilience Partners Director Jeremy Barnett talks about finance innovation leading to new ways to invest. The podcast is recorded during the Tokenized Assets Conference in Amsterdam. Please visit our podcast channel for other podcasts in this series. Enjoy the podcast. So the next speaker is Jeremy Barnett, and he will tell us all about finance innovation leading to new ways to invest, I think. And he's already been on stage two times as moderator, but now he has the floor for himself. Jeremy, it's always a pleasure having you in our programs. Thank you for that. Okay, thanks. Thanks very take much. Take it away. I don't know if anybody else is going to wander through, but if not, I'll just start the afternoon session off. Um, it's always great doing uh, things with Nilsson, the big con team. Uh, I've been doing this now for two or three years with them. Uh, and you always get a sense of the market. Uh, the first one of these I did was in Barcelona when the ICOs were starting to really rock. Uh, and um, it was only about how much they were going up. Uh, then we went back the year after and it was about how much they were coming down. Um, and I tried to bring a bit of reality to it. I got quite interested in uh, the ICO law and regulation because there's a chance I might go and raise some money myself. Now, as a lawyer, uh, I would be the poster boy uh, if it went wrong. So I've made damn sure that I understand uh, how to do this if you're going to do it. Uh, and I haven't done it yet. Anyway... Um, what I've noticed is, as I've said here, that blockchain, whoops, health and safety, uh, blockchain is now moving into the real world, which is something I'm pleased about because I come from law but also a computing background. And I discovered this stuff when I was looking at ways of designing something pretty special, <clears throat> which is a, a, an automated dispute resolution service. What I'm trying to do is basically, it's law tech, it's disruptive, uh, and it's about saving time and money in law. And I'll explain that in a minute. Uh, what I've said here is that um, we've been looking at new ways in which the tech has been deployed outside financial services. Everybody knows about what's happening in financial services. My interest has been when the tech will go into the real world. Johnny Fry gave me a bollocking uh, on Wednesday because uh, he said I underplayed it and he's given me a lot of examples uh, of where blockchains are now being deployed. Um, and he's right. Uh, halal meat, I know about that. Uh, it's a huge market and my Muslim friends, uh, we're Jewish, we play golf together. It's really quite good fun actually, the Jews against the Muslims. No one writes about that. That's because we always beat them. Um, the, 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 uh, the lads who I know, they want to make sure they're buying properly halal food. Okay? And there's a huge, huge market in this food. So people are looking at multi-billion pound projects. I didn't know any of them had actually been put into effect, but Johnny says they have. And... It's in supply chain, really, that I think the first moves are being made. So the question I threw out on the panel was, where would you invest? 
everyone's talking about financial services. My view on the world is that this tech is going to blow and blow huge in the real world, not in financial services. So, um, as I say, it's, it's, I've spent three years shoveling snow uphill, uh, explaining to people in the construction sector, and I'll explain why I'm in the construction sector, uh, what, why do I need this technology? What is it? And I've given up now. I'm not talking to anybody who asks me why should I do it. The only people I'll talk to in the construction sector or the real estate, estate sector are people saying, we know that we need to do it, but we're not quite sure how. And I think that's how the market's moved. But I put some examples up on here. Um, <clears throat> the airport industry is adopting uh, not only... Uh, emerging IT, but blockchain. Now, my view on blockchain is it's a core piece of tech which anchors stuff so you can run services off it, so you can run AI, you can run in conjunction with IoT, you can run in conjunction with building information modeling and other techs. So I see blockchain as being different from other people. People talk about blockchain as being uh, useful because you can trust it, uh, and it automates things. Yeah, it's the automation that I like. The trust I'm not shows, so sure about. Okay, it's got a real role for regulators. Regulators can regulate from a distance because they can trust the information that's coming out from the regulated entity with the proviso that if you put rubbish in, you get rubbish out. Uh, well, I'm not allowed to say, even though I'm from Leeds, you put shit in, you, you, you get shit out. I've told I can't use bad language, but I'm a Leeds fan, so I can't stop it. But that's the point. So to a, to a degree, the regulators can trust the information, and that is transforming the world. So reg tech has taken off, uh, as have other techs. Uh, but even in the airport industry, they're now talking blockchain. And that's just a finger in the air to sense what's going on in, in other industries. 85% of airlines are using AI chatbots. Well, we all know about that. 1% of, of airlines have got a blockchain program, but 59% of airlines are looking at blockchain, and they're looking at it for two very narrow things. They're looking at it for improved passenger identification, the seamless walk through Schiphol Airport from start to finish, and they're looking at what they call smart baggage. Well, smart contracts, as, as everyone says, they're neither smart because they don't think for themselves and they're not contracts because there's no legal basis to them. You can write a smart legal contract. You can take a wet contract and layer code on top of it so you have a legally binding smart contract. But my view on the world being a lawyer is that we're going to have departments of smart contracts because there is a simple rule in my, in my world, if it can go wrong, it will go wrong. Uh, and uh, my chairman, who's a, an academic, hates computer scientists. He was in charge of the computer science department at Leeds. He told me that all computer scientists come out of bed at 11 o'clock at night and work through the night, and then they go to bed in the morning. They never deliver on time, and it always goes wrong. Now, that from the, the guy who was in charge of the department is a bit unfair. But... He actually said to me when I explained to him about smart contracts, what happens when they go wrong, Jeremy? And I said, well, that's where we come in. So I'm trying to write computer programs to fix the smart contracts when they go wrong. But I genuinely do believe it's not the end of lawyers. 
as the people who wrote these things have said, they say code is law, and that's the end of lawyers, uh, because you can automatically enforce contracts. Everybody knows the example, I suppose, of the uh, car insurance, um, the, the car finance. At the moment, I don't pay my uh, finance bill, and it takes you uh, a, a time to recover the money. You have to go to court, like I do. You get a judgment. After a few goes, you then have to enforce the judgment. It takes you nine months. And then you enforce the judgment, and the defendant's gone bankrupt, and you can't recover the car. Smart contract. I don't pay. AI monitors my bank account. At five o'clock, the money doesn't hit. At one minute past five, a smart contract sends a, a Tesla self-drive collection vehicle round to the house where the car's parked, because you can triangulate, you know where it's parked drives my car onto the, uh, the recovery wagon because an API key in the smart contract turns off my key, turns on their key, and the car is driven back to the high purchase company by six o'clock. No need for lawyers, no need for courts. That's what they're telling us. But I know it will go wrong because I play golf and I leave my golf clubs in the boot. And nobody thought of that when they wrote the smart contract. And I think that's probably the best example I can give. So I'm, hell, I'm going to sue. I don't care if they take the car off me because I don't own it. But I sure as hell need my golf clubs in the afternoon. And that's the point. So smart contracts are not the end of law. They are the beginning of law. And I genuinely believe that when we come back next year, or in year after, or in two years, there will be a huge department of smart contracts. Can I swear in here? I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's, it's smart contracts are going to fuck it up and we're going to unfuck them. That's how my boss put it to me. I apologise. I hope it's not being recorded, but I have signed a disclaimer. Right. Um, so we've had the advance of the techs. First of all, we had fintech, which we all know about. Uh, then we had reg tech. <clears throat> my partner, I suppose he is, uh, at uh, UCL, F uh, Professor Philip Trelaven invented automated trading. And having done that 15 years ago, he then invented automated regulation of the trading that goes wrong. Because I think 80 or 90% of the trades that go across the stock markets are now done by machines. And we've written papers on what happens when they go wrong, like the collapse of Knight Capital, which some people will know about. Uh, then we had Law Tech which is growing at a rate of knots now. Richard Suskind, I know very well, he's the AI guy. Fred Ledra, a friend of mine, we did virtual courts in Leeds. Can you have a trial where people don't go to court? Good idea, uh, saves a lot of money, but very difficult to do. So that's how I got into this space. And a guy, another friend of mine, Ethan Catch, developed online dispute resolution. Started on uh, eBay. Can you run a computer program to settle all the disputes? But it didn't work. Okay, if people are interested, I'll tell you. Uh, why didn't it work? You buy a, a Sopranos box set on eBay, you spend £25 and you put it into your cassette player and it's the wrong format. So you want your money back. So you send an email into the online dispute resolution uh, send head office, which sends a message to the guy in San Francisco who sold you the box set. You say, dear sir, can I have my money back? It didn't work. Being from Leeds, at five o'clock you go to the pub 
And you sit there for four hours and you have three pints of Tetley's and a pork pie. And you come back from the boozer at nine o'clock and you see a message from Frank in San Francisco that says, Dear sir, we think you ticked the wrong box. It's your problem. And because you've had four pints and a pork pie, you get annoyed. So instead of accepting his email, you fire off the mother of all emails back to him. How dare you? I don't like Yanks. I don't like... So what we discovered is that using the tech actually aggravated people. And rather than bringing the unit cost of settlement down, they became far too expensive. So even though uh, Square Trade, it was called, were doing, I think, 10 million cases a year, they were losing money. So my view is this tech is great if the underlying business is great. Okay, that's my, the answer to my question, where would I invest? I would invest where the business case makes sense. Now we've got prop tech, which is why we're here, uh, which I think is really good. Uh, it was explained to me last week that the tech is already disrupting the high street. We know that. And the tech is going to disrupt the way people design buildings like this. There's going to be multi-use space. There's going to be roof space, which is going to become very expensive. Uh, and uh, an example was given to me about Bishop's Gate where they needed permission to land drones and bring deliveries in, and the City of London wouldn't allow it. So they've had to hire uh, or rent a big piece of space down the road for the deliveries. So the, the way in which we use buildings is going to change because of the technology. It's going to shape... So the tech is going to shake up the industry. And I think that's the play that people need to be looking for. Okay, I started, I suppose, with others, build tech, they call it now. We set up the Construction Blockchain Consortium at UCL, and we've looked at ways in which the tech can help you with supply chain, with financing, with design and construction. There's a conference starting today in Paris all about uh, parametric design. AutoCAD are there, Microsoft are there. It's artificial intelligence in the design of buildings. My dad was an architect. How can you have funny-shaped buildings? Humans couldn't design these buildings, which were weird, but now computers can because every piece is different. So it's how the tech is shaking up the world, which interests me. It's not just how the world is shaking up the, the tech. Safety and compliance, that's a big one for me. Uh, I'm really keen on using the tech to design safe buildings and to manage safe buildings. I'll explain that in a minute if I've got the time. Payment, measurement, funding milestones, tendering, automated tendering, automated writing of contracts is becoming a huge, huge industry. Law tech is growing at a rate of knots, and I'm told there are 700 prop tech startups in the UK, 7,000 in the world. I've put up a few here. Automated valuation, automated funds, property passports, you want to know what's in the building, when you buy it, why you insure it, when you let it, when you rent it out. As I've said, creating new value from assets, space as a service, and cloud kitchens. I hadn't heard about cloud kitchens until last week. The, 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 uh, the high street is now being murdered and is now full of food. It's a no-brainer. It's coffee, it's takeaways, it's restaurants. <clears throat> but what's happening, I'm told, it's delivery. So Deliveroo is taking off. In China, I've just read a book about how the handheld 
uh, phone is being used for AI and for delivery. And all the guys who are selling noodles on the street corners are now using this tech to sell their food to their customers. And the roads are swamped, apparently, with scooters, all delivering food. And some bright sparks have realised, actually, why are we cooking the food on the high street and paying high street rent when we could be cooking the food at a distance and bringing it in? So these large kitchens are now growing like out-of-town sheds, my, used, my father used to call them, the, the, the big distribution hubs. So out-of-town cloud kitchens are going to disrupt the high street. That's a way in which the tech is disrupting the property sector. So we need to understand how we can use the tech in order to build, but we need to know how this tech is going to change our business, otherwise we're going to be murdered. Um, okay, tokens. We've heard a lot about tokens. I did this talk a couple of days ago in London, and I've added this slide, because I think we've got to get down into the detail here. Uh, a friend of mine mentioned David Siegel, uh, 20, 30, did pillar, he raised a lot of money, he writes a lot of books, he's a good guy, uh, talks a lot of nonsense, but he, he talks also a lot of sense. Uh, and he, he's written a book which is available on the internet for free called The Token Handbook, which I suggest anybody who wants to get into this business has a good read. Uh, he has def decided or defined 60 different categories of tokens so when we're talking about utility tokens or security tokens and listing the tokens, you've got to step back and ask yourself, what is this token going to do? Right, he's split the, the, the activities of the tokens into these things. They're either unique or identical. Train tickets are unique and invitation to a party is identical. So I can print 100 invitations to a party. That's not the same as a train ticket. I often use the example when I'm doing this talk on Leeds United season tickets. When I was a lad, when Leeds were any good, we used to get a book. And we used to tear out the ticket, which get you handed to a chap who then said, all right, go on then. And the little, the little kids were slipped under the barrier. But your season ticket gave you a right to go and watch Leeds United play in the cup final. So your book of tickets gave you entry to, to 42 games, but it also gave you the right to buy a ticket at the next game. So a season ticket is both categories. And this is where the problem comes when you're defining your token. You've got, to, you've got to look at the actual detail of what you're selling. They can be active or passive. So in my example about the BMW, that had an active API key that somebody could turn off the key. So tokens can contain an API key. They can uh, assign business logic or not. Now, this is where it gets interesting for an investment purpose. It can have a payload. Now, for me, I'm really interested in the payload. It can carry a document. It can carry a photograph. It can carry information. So I'm particularly interested about the use of tokens to move information around. Okay, it's different from what most people see. But that's very important. We then get into the financial bits. A commodity ownership, your coin can give you a tiny percentage of the rental from an asset, so you can start securitizing and you can split the, the income. Or it can be a commodity token. 
which allows fractional trading in the shares, which means ordinary people can start trading on their mobile phones, Marks and Spencer's shares, without having to go through a broker. Uh, and then some tokens can have smart contracts attached to them. So when something happens, an event happens, the weather hits a certain temperature, the insurance is paid out on the crop. So you can see designing a token is a very complex issue and assigning the value, which is why I was interested in the prospectus, because if you're actually trying to assess the value of these things, you've got to know what the token does and you've got to know what's in the token, and you've got to know who wrote the token, you've got to know why the token was put on the market, and who's controlling the supply of the tokens. Now, don't forget, if we buy shares on the stock market, there are strict rules, the yellow book, about the sale of the tokens, the closed periods, when can the directors trade, and all that type of stuff. That's why I believe, that's why I believe you need regulation of these tokens, if they're truly going to become investable. Okay, um, there is a, an assessment of the different types of tokens that has been drawn up by Cambridge University who are now looking at this space. So I've taken that from their new publication which is available on the internet called the Crypto Asset Regulatory Landscape. So people are now trying to define what these things are and you've got to do that. You've got to know what it is before you start trying to understand the legal landscape. Okay, uh, why am I here? I've got five minutes left. Uh, Resilience Digital, my business. We want to improve the safety of buildings, the design and operation management of buildings using blockchain. And we want to uh, try to help settle disputes where there's what we call a need for speed. Um, we, what we've discovered is something called structured data. In order to do what I want to do, the clever ideas I had when I was at University in Leeds, I've got to gather the information into the blockchain. That's what we call structured data, so we can move it. And what I've realized is if we can gather information, then I can use it for my clever ideas, and 25 people in this room can then use the information for their clever ideas. So it's an Actually, it's an underlying infrastructure play that inadvertently I've stumbled into it. And I've stumbled into it because I have to do it in order to make my system work. So we're involved in gathering the information, putting it in, into a token form as a payload so it can then be authenticated and then people can start manipulating it and run AI systems across it. Um, we've looked at construction at the uh, CBC it's a great industry for me because it's, it's rubbish. Uh, buildings just uh, uh, go wrong. The, it's the second biggest industry in the world, apparently, uh, behind financial services. Three trillion, four trillion. Ten percent of the money in the construction sector goes in litigation costs. That's because it's a dysfunctional uh, sector, because the margins are small, and there are loads of consultants getting in the middle causing trouble. And people are making money on the gaps between the, uh, the edges. Uh, there's no great driver in construction for this tech. The, the reason why blockchain is, is well established in financial services, in my view, is because the banks needed to do this. Their systems were old, they were creaking. They wanted to trade quicker, faster, better with each other, against each other. So they invested in the tech. But now... 
the institutions are starting to invest in the tech in other sectors. It's not in construction yet, and I don't think it will be short term, apart from in drones. Um, but it's, it's in real estate. So I've been pivoted at UCL into the new Real Estate Institute, where we're starting to talk all about the effect of this tech in, uh, in the real estate industry. So I'm delighted when I ask the question on the panel today, where would you invest your money in crypto? In effect, and the answer that came back from everybody on the panel was in real estate. So I think I've arrived probably by fluke in the right place. Uh, but that's where I am. Um, that was the, the thing I drew up in 19, sorry, 2006 with a friend of mine, Professor Jew, who's no longer with us. The top is the time that it takes to get to court. The bottom was my view with Pete's of the new system. You have a negotiation. Instead of the lawyers doing their thing, the lawyers do their thing in six months rather than a year and a half, or maybe overnight. And parties can move to resolving the dispute very quickly. So why am I involved with the Grenfell Tower area? At the moment, millions of pounds are being spent, sadly, on trying to work out what happened at Grenfell Tower. If Grenfell Tower had been in the blockchain, if I can use an expression, we wouldn't need the public inquiry because we would know who did what. We would know why decisions have been taken. We would know whether or not the cladding had been authenticated and who authenticated it. So all that waste of money could be avoided and we could move straight through to let's learn some lessons. The second phase of the Grenfell Tower inquest, it's not an inquest yet, it's just a public inquiry. I'm somebody who was involved in the Hillsborough inquest and the Hillsborough public inquiry, all about who did what 30 years ago. So that's what a lot of these law firms are doing, is they're trying to figure out who did what, why and when. And if we can gather that information into the blockchain so everybody knows, we can move through a lot quicker. So I think what I'm doing is pretty dis disruptive in law tech terms, but that's for others to judge. Okay, um, as I've said, with dispute avoidance, uh, that's apparently the big thing nowadays. I, I invented this idea to resolve disputes, but I'm being told now, actually, some big practices are making a fortune out of preventing disputes, dispute avoidance. It's like the difference between tax evasion and, and tax avoidance. I think it was the bent lawyer in The Simpsons who christened the phrase tax avoidance. I love that. It's halfway between the two. Um, so we're, that's the technical slide as to what we're doing. We're, we're using blockchain, which is a state transition machine, to record events as they change through the process. And that discipline can be used anywhere. So we're building basically an underlying infrastructure that can be used by all sorts of people for all sorts of things. Okay, um, we talked about token economics. I don't think I've got time to go into that. Uh, and uh, there we are. Right, thank you very much indeed. Cheers. Well, thank you, Jeremy. Thank you for listening to the CMS podcast. Did you enjoy this podcast? Please visit our podcast channel and use the subscribe button to stay up to date on legal content. Until next time.